0: Interest rates are sky high in 2023, and buying a rental property means you could get stuck with an 8, 9, or 10% mortgage rate. But what about a 2.99% rate with rent-to-retirement? Rent-to-retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller-financed 2.99% interest rate with an average cash flow of over $900 per month. Plus, they've got options where you can put as little as 5% down with no PMI. As the nation's leading turnkey investment company, Rent to Retirement helps investors build headache-free, high-cash-flow rental portfolios. And since their properties are fully turnkey, newly built or renovated, leased and managed, anyone can invest, even those who aren't into landlording. So what are you waiting for? This 2.99% rate deal won't last long. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777.
1: Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. slash pockets carefully consider the investment objectives risks charges and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing this and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrisecom flagship this is a paid advertisement
2: the dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting from finding the best guests to the maintenance to organizing the cleaners after every guest day with vacasa they make that dream into a reality If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets.
1: Welcome to On The Market, everyone. I'm your host, Dave Meyer. Today, joined by Henry, Jamil, James, and Kathy. How's everyone great phenomenal good well I'm glad to have you all here and what we're doing today is we're going to be doing our regular segment the correspondent show where everyone comes with a story that they are following closely in the world of real estate investing and we have four great interesting very good topics to discuss today but first we're going to play a quick game. We've gone away from playing games recently, but I'm glad that we're bringing this back. <laughs> Today's game is going to be an inflation station where each of you is going to have to guess the price of three different somewhat volatile items to see if you know how they have been trending over the last couple of years. And we'll also have an inflation pop quiz to see if any of you have been paying attention. Okay, first question the average cost of a new vehicle in the US was forty two thousand three hundred and eighty dollars in twenty twenty one. What do you think it was in February of twenty twenty three? So two years later, how has inflation
3: changed the price of a new vehicle? Jamil? Well, I mean I, I picking on you. It depends on what kind of cars we're buying. Are we buying, you know, James Danard cars? Or are we buying the average car? So I'm gonna just go with the average car here. And I'm gonna say, I, I, I know that everything has gone up with cars, $46,750. Okay, 46000 but Jamel, didn't you buy a Rolls Royce?
1: <laughs> <laughs> taxes. just want to make sure oh yes, that you are you are buying James Dater cars too. Okay, okay. In that case, four
3: hundred and fifty-two thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars,
1: <laughs> precisely.
4: For the record, I buy all my cars used, one year old. That's smart. Uh, yeah, I don't believe in new cars.
1: What does a Lambo cost one year old? You you know, I kind of run my cars
4: like an old man. I'll run them into the ground. Like I I go five, six, seven years on my cars.
5: Oh, I'm the same way. I'll go 10.
3: I I sell a car (laughs) once a corn nut drops in the seat. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Kathy, you might be the longest since buying a car.
1: So what's your guess?
5: Well, I'm just going to just – I added up on my calculator 8% inflation, which would be 6,700 on top of – I don't know, somewhere around – Nine eight eight thousand more than it was.
1: So you're saying like fifty thousand will be yeah. your guess? Okay, Kathy. What about you, Henry?
6: Fifty one thousand four hundred and forty five dollars. Wow, very precise. All right, James.
4: You know I'm going to go with ten percent a year. So I'm going to go. We're going to be at roughly fifty
1: one thousand bucks. Okay, a lot of clumping around there. We have, we have a winner. And it is Miss Kathy Fecky. Wow. The Woo. average price for a new vehicle in February was 48763 Had we waited a little bit longer, you would have been even closer, Kathy, because the price of cars has actually been falling over the last couple of months after peaking uh, a couple of months ago. But they are still up, obviously, a very large percent over the last two years.
5: Well, I'm glad I've got my paid off old car. What kind of car do you have, Kathy? Okay, it's a Tesla. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can't be that old.
5: They haven't been around
1: that long. <laughs>
5: it's a leftover because my husband, he does like a good car. And so when he gets the new car, I get the old car, which is fine because I get to choose the house. <laughs> <laughs> sounds,
1: still sounds pretty nice. All right. Our second question, Kathy, I'm going to make you go first. What is the price right now of a dozen
5: eggs? I just bought eggs at the farmer's market and I spent $20. So I have no idea. I'm going to say that they went down. I know they're fresh from a farm somewhere. (laughs) There were 18 of them. So I don't know what that ends up being. But (laughs) I'm going to say it went down for the regular eggs that factory eggs with all the chickens crammed in there
1: (laughs) yeah okay so sorry i should have given you the context in december just back this past december it was 482 a dozen
5: okay i bet it's gone down to 382
1: okay kathy's at 382 james you know i'm gonna go to 412 that's literally the number in my head all right (laughs) henry i'm booking you down or do you want to just Screw James. Say four thirteen, four eleven. Yeah, w- One dollar, Bob. Four dollars
3: and thirteen cents. All right, four thirteen. <laughs> Jamil, I'm going to say six dollars. Um, eggs have gone up. The little angry chickens are uh, are costing more these days. Six dollars. Wow. And see, that's why
5: I pay more for the happy chickens. But I also cannot walk by a booth at a farmers market and not. I, I don't know. I got to support small business gotta do it
1: well if anyone listening to this has a farmer's market stand (laughs) invite kathy i guess
5: yes invite me
1: kathy you won again despite having seemingly no understanding of how to buy eggs or what they cost
5: (laughs) support farmers
1: (laughs) eggs have dropped since since december down to 344 they've dropped 29 percent, and so kathy was again the closest and I think wins uh, the, this game. But we do have one last one, which is the price of a gallon of gas, which as of one year ago was $4.12. Henry,
6: what is it this year? Ooh. Uh, well, I'm going to
3: go down a little bit to three eighty-seven. Great choice. Jamil? Um, I filled up yesterday and it was over $5 a gallon. I'm in Phoenix. So I'm going to notch it down a little bit because it's a little higher here, possibly. I'm going to say 482. 482. All right. James?
1: 406. All right. Kathy, for the sweep...
5: I know. You know I drive electric, so I don't check gas prices even though they're saying
6: LOL gas.
1: Oh, do you have one of those obnoxious license plates that say like no gas or like (laughs) zero emissions or whatever?
5: It says go grateful, which maybe is worse. I don't know. No, that's better. All I know is that I've been booking flights and they've been really expensive. So I think gas has gone up, but I don't know how much. California, it's already ridiculous. Usually a couple dollars more than everywhere else. So... If I were to say California, I'd probably say it's up to, you know, six dollars again. Um, so so on the average, let's say four eighty-five. Okay. The winner is
1: Henry, Washington. Very close. Um, so the actual answer is three sixty-eight. So it's dropped 10% over the last year, down for, again from 412. So we're now at 368 for a gallon of gas.
6: Jamil, are you allowed to? Put your own gas in a Rolls Royce? Is that, <laughs> do, do they laugh at you when you pull up in a Rolls Royce and pump your own and gas? pump at? your
3: own gas? They absolutely do, yeah. <laughs> they do laugh at you. And I laugh at myself, too. <laughs> all right. We have a bonus question.
1: And let's see if you've been paying attention. We talked about the most inflation-resistant toy on the entire market. I know this. All right. Well, we. I think you all... I know Kaylin's going to get mad because I'm going to ask you all to yell over each other. But... I'm going to see if you all know it by asking you to yell over each other, which makes for great audio for a podcast. Um, So when I say three, tell me if you remember it. One, two, three. Barbie. 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 (laughs) What did you say? Henry got it. What did you say, Kathy?
5: Little cars. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Not, but not, Henry not, actually
1: not. knew the name of it, Hot Wheels. <laughs> they are little cars. <laughs>
4: so I have like
5: 60 of them in little corners of the house. Oh. I've got a grandson.
4: Hitting those things <laughs> late night in the bathroom, that I do not miss. <laughs> Under four. <laughs> oh, those things hurt.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Congratulations to Kathy and Henry for having some sense of what things cost. Uh, we are going to take a quick break and then come back and get to our stories about the investing climate right now.
6: Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at DealMachine.com. bp
2: You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today.
7: Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure.
1: James, what story did you bring for us today?
4: So I brought, uh, it's uh, from the New York Post, it's called Default Risks Grow on $1.5 trillion in commercial real estate debt, analysts say. Um, and so what this article talks about, and I think we're all, you know, it's, it's another doom and gloom article that, you know, I feel like right now as we're, people think we're going into a recession or we're kind of into a recession, they're just looking for that meltdown area and so commercial real estate seems to be the hot topic right now for that. But what it does talk about is retail property valuations could drop by as much as 40% while nearly 1.5 trillion dollars in debt due by the end of 2025. And so what the article talks a lot about is that there's a lot of risk in the commercial market right now because a obviously work from home has has been detrimental to the income, and so the the you know how you look at commercial properties is it's it's based on income, right? How much income is it producing? What's the cash flow? And the the rents have dropped, right? People are work from home has not came all the it, it is working back in the office is not all the way going, and so the 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 rent costs have dropped, and now what's also happening is debt is getting it's substantially more money, and so. They're saying over the next four years that the uh, that the maturities will peak in 2027 at 550 billion Um, in the short term that uh, there is about 270 billion being due in 2023. But one thing that I think is interesting in these stats, you know, because everyone's really focused on the office side and the commercial side, and then you'll hear these big steps are big stats about how $270 billion is coming due. But if you really break it down, only only a third of that is actually office at that point. So added that $550 billion coming due, if it's using the same percentage, that's about a third to a fourth of that is actually office space. And so I'm starting to wonder if this is really going to be as big of a deal as what everyone's saying it's going to be. Like, yes, there's a lot of things being matured, but is it product that will get refied and stabilized anyways, and it's just going to kind of go through the motions? And is it kind of that 2000, you know, 1999 to 2000 tick over where they're like waiting for it to it's going to be detrimental and then it's going to kind of just work itself out?
5: I personally think it's going to be detrimental to certain banks and obviously to certain investors. But overall, you know, we look, we survived 2008, right? And here we are in a similar situation, this time more in the commercial realm. I just, anytime rates go up that dramatically, it's going to affect anybody on a short-term loan. And a lot of commercial is on short-term balloon notes or, or just adjustable rates. And there's going to be pain. I think a lot of people are still in denial about how much pain and that values are, are going down. A lot of people just don't want to believe that values are going down in commercial, but they will. Uh, so I, th- I think it's a big deal. It's not going to take down the economy, though.
3: I think there's going to be a world of hurt in the multifamily sector. You know, there was just a lot of people, commercial, I think people were a little bit hesitant to jump into like office and retail. Um, but when it comes to the multifamily sector of commercial, I think there was a lot of inflated confidence jumping in, um, at the end of when I was going to buy multifamily. Remember then that time? Yeah. There was inflated confidence at that time. And I truly believe it was at its peak and now we're going to be, it's going to, it's going to implode the multifamily market. I don't think it's going to be across all commercial, but multifamily is going to get hammered.
1: Yeah. I think when you look at James, that staff that like, yes, it sounds like it's peaking in 2027 it's hard for me to get worried about something, you know, four years from now, because we could be in a totally different economic climate, and valuations could crash and recover by then. Um, when it comes to to some of these things, but I, I I agree with you. I think that generally speaking, that valuations are going to go down. But I, I just don't think this type of uh, you know, there's any evidence right now that like this is going to take down the banking system or anything like that. But there is going to be some significant pain.
4: Yeah. One thing I, I was wondering about, like on these cities, they're so sort of dependent on tax income. And if the property values do, do go down 30, 40 percent in these metro cities, what's going to happen to the tax revenue in these cities? Like that could be a massive domino effect that that shocks the whole market, um, you know, because that's a that's a substantial amount of income that will actually also hit this the at, at city level.
6: Yeah. One of the follow up questions I had kind of for the group was like, who do you think this crash really impacts? If the notes come due and the investors can't pay, then the banks are stuck holding the bag. They can't. I mean, somebody else can't come in and buy it because they still have to buy it at an inflated interest rate. Right. Like so. So if there is this massive multifamily
3: crisis, who's who gets hit the hardest here? I think the original buyer and uh, partially the the bank.
5: Yeah, it's in my last report, I talked about how a lot of the big banks sold these off. So it's really investors again. These were sold off um, commercial mortgage-backed securities and packaged up. And who knows? Maybe they're, again, same thing, A-rated. So it's going to be institutional funds that bought those or investors that bought those. It's the smaller banks that didn't sell them off, and they will – they will be more hurt. It's
1: going to be a, a rough day for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just and just generally speaking for our audience, a lot of what James is talking about, we have sort of shifted the conversation into multifamily, was about office and retail. Like when we were talking about big declines and things coming due, probably not as applicable to the average retail investor. As Kathy said, these are mostly institutional investors. Obviously, people listen to this probably more int- invested into multifamily, um, but from the article james is talking about the the most acute risk seems to be in office then retail and then other types of asset classes, including multifamily, but also, you know, industrial, medical, all the other stuff.
5: I, I just the one thing about the the office downtown, it seems that suburban office is doing better, but the cities with all the high rises, and that would bring in people into the city and then all the retail around those big high rises, those are the retail in the downtown is what I'm hearing would be affected because people aren't going into the office so much if the off, if the offices are empty.
4: Yeah, there's a lot of vacancy. It's like I was reading something else when um, last night and they were saying that a lot of offices like occupancy was around like 75 to 80 percent in 2018. And right now it's hovering around 50 percent. So that's a huge drop in income. Wow. Oh, my God. I mean, that's or at least that was too uh, because Brookfield, which is a big fund, had some issues and they just gave some buildings back. And and their 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 occupancy rate had dropped that much. They just turned it over at that point. It's pretty I mean, that's a substantial hit to your bottom line.
1: All right. Well, thank you for bringing this one, James. It's really interesting. And just for everyone listening, we're going to bring on an expert. Uh, his name is Richard Hill. Um, he's going to be coming on in the next couple of weeks if this topic is of interest to you. He knows all about commercial real estate debt, and he does a really good job breaking it down by different sectors, when uh, different types of loans are due, how much liquidity there is in the market. So um, if you're interested, then in make sure to check that out in a couple of weeks. Let's move on to Kathy's story. What do you got for us?
5: Yeah, mine is uh, a divided housing market. Zillow says these 294 markets will see home price gains while 102 markets will tick lower. So these kinds of articles, I think, get investors' attention because, of course, do you want to be in the market where there's price declines or do you want to be in the market where there's growth? And a lot of it is not surprising. My goodness, I just wanted to bring this article because we talked about it a year ago and things really haven't changed that much from what we were predicting a year ago ago which was that there were certain markets that had bubbled up they were pandemic fueled markets like Boise like Phoenix Austin these markets went up oh my gosh it's it's just shocking when you look at it 50 let's see it was 53% in Boise Austin was 61% increase in prices over the pandemic period and Phoenix 59% so that's a huge increase and in this article, John Burns real estate consulting was the most concerned about those markets, thinking that the, that at least half of those gains would disappear. And that may or may not have already happened. Um, and then the Southeast being the areas where there's probably going to be more growth over the coming year. So in this article, again, the, the Southeast looks to be growing along with the Midwest, but the West where there was already so much price in, increase and where people are already stretched so thin, where interest rates make a big difference. You're already struggling to buy that million-dollar house and then rates go up. There's no way. But does it make that big a difference on the $200,000 house or the $300,000 house in the south uh, Southeast? Um, but what I kind of took away from this was – you know, in an area where there's rising inventory, and it's obviously very popular, lots of people pouring in to to buy and live there over the last few years. I don't see it as a bad thing to be buying in some of those areas where where there is inventory growing. And I know we got two people here today who are in those markets. You know, Jamil's in Phoenix, and Jimmy's in in Seattle, where you know you're still buying deals and maybe buying deeper than you were. And, and uh, so again, it's not necessarily bad news if you look at it from an, an experienced real estate, uh, you know, mindset. I'm buying in the Southeast because I like the, I like to, uh, you know, see values go up. But if I were buying the way you guys do, I I would kind of think I'd want to be in those markets that are a little bit distressed and, and where inventories are rising. I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on that?
3: Well, just to speak to Phoenix right out the gate, we did have a, a you know shock to the system for quite a for for like a compressed period of time, and then the market just started to go again. And and when you look at like days on market, when you look at inventory, when you look at the indicators of demand, what I'm seeing and what we continue to see here is yes, we did have a correction. The correction was not nearly half or all of the gains. It was not. It wasn't even close. In fact, uh, so far, what we've been tracking is that we've been somewhere between 10 and 15% here in Phoenix. And so, and it's stabilizing. And not only is it stabilizing, but demand is upticking and things are chugging along. So, um, you know, I, I think if you are smart and you are really paying attention to where there's opportunity in a market like Phoenix, you can buy deep, you can hold for a little while, and in a couple of years, realize incredible profit.
5: Yeah, I mean that was yeah. I would love to hear your thoughts, James, too, because it's these are obviously markets people want to be in, right? You know that's why they grew so quickly over the last few years. So, and we we know that you've been. I saw your last Instagram post where you made a ton of money on a flip. I was very jealous.
4: <laughs> you know, we're seeing the same thing up in the Pacific Northwest. Is what Jamil kind of it was talking about. We saw this compression. Now it's flattened out, and now we're seeing inventory getting just eroded right now. There is nothing for sale. The, uh, days on market have dropped 35% in the last 30 days up in, in the Northwest. And I actually think this is 2023. The end of 2023 could be one of the best times to dispo off a flip property. It's because what what's happening is that inventory is tightening so much. And really what's out there, a lot of the stuff that's sitting in the market right now. is also just overpriced junk. Like people just slap big numbers on really not great properties and that stuff's going to sit there and it's going to skew the data. But I would say that's 50% of the inventory in our market and we're seeing the deep buys um, right now. And I do and it, it. I was trying to kind of it's like every quarter we're changing our game plans. Right. And so I'm like now with I do think rates are going to be down. We're, we're already seeing the market tighten up and I think rates will be lower by the end of the quarter and that's going to add to a frenzy.
1: I think it's super interesting when you look at this just generally speaking at this split of the market that zillow who questionable forecasting record um says is forecasting that either way up or down over the next years they see markets by either going up at the max of five percent and down at a max of five percent so to me that's like actually like a kind of normal market right like in normal times that's sort of how a housing market behaves some go up not crazy double digit numbers some go down not crazy double digit numbers so they, this seems to say that they they are expecting things to return to a somewhat normal relatively stable market over the next year which is pretty interesting and like i thought you know in january i would have never guessed that but i think that Data and evidence they're basing it off of is sound, and there is a reasonable chance that the market is going to stabilize.
6: Yeah, I, th- I think if you're an investor who is looking to invest for appreciation in markets that are um, strong and markets that are popular, this is a great time. You should be looking at those areas that are blue on that on that map, right where the where the prices are down. Because I mean, we all know you zoom out. And real estate's gonna go up. So if you if you were if you were in a cash flush position and you can hold, then what a great time to get into some of those uh more expensive markets that you may have thought you were priced out of. And and I, I see the same thing in my market that James and, and Jamil are saying in their market. This the stuff that's sitting on the market here, it's overpriced to begin with and it's just not great product. And that is, isn't that the sign of a healthy market? If it's overpriced, and it's crap, then it sits. And if it's priced <laughs> well and done well, it goes fast. That's what a healthy that's market that's should be. Yeah.
1: We're like, oh, crap is sitting on the market. How interesting. Okay, of course, that's what's supposed to happen. It's a very good point. All right. So along these lines, Henry, it seems like your story is sort of a continuation of this discussion, right?
6: Yeah, absolutely. So my story is about... The 2023 housing market correction, right? So it's essentially forecasting the rest of the year. And I like the article because it it touches on kind of like a few key uh, subjects within the real estate industry and how they think it's going to go. And it was really, it seems like, in my opinion, a good representation of what I'm currently seeing, right? So it starts to talk about how buyers are going to get some leverage, um, and, you know, that kind of goes to what we were just talking about, crap sits on the market, right? So buyers have some leverage either to negotiate price or to negotiate um, concessions or some repairs. And, and we are seeing a lot of that in our market. It also talks about um, home prices potentially declining in some markets, but then kind of zooms out and says, it really just looks like it's stabilizing because we're still above 2021 market prices. Uh, in most markets of the country, even though it may be looking like it's coming down in some areas right now, it also mentions um, inventory increasing, and this is one that we've touched on a little bit. But I truly, truly believe, and James James really said it: if the if the interest rates do start to come down a little bit, I think we're going to see uh, a frenzy, and I think um, you're going to see more inventory and more buyers uh, out there. And then the point that I really liked is it says a sense of normalcy. Will return, and we talked about this as a group a while back when interest rates were really surging. I think you know, the, uh, the sense of normalcy just means if we sit around five to six percent interest rates for the, you know, for six or seven months, people will just realize this is what homes cost, right? And then life will continue to happen. People will still need to move for whatever reasons they want to move. Um, I think the only thing that may have an impact on this sense of normalcy is all of the people who locked in at two, two and a half and three percent. They're probably still going to sit on those interest rates, but most everybody else is going to get back to normal life. Things will feel normal and you'll start to see more a more healthy real estate market, in my opinion. So I'm curious to know how you guys feel about these predictions.
3: The thing, Henry, that I want to jump in on real fast is the that segment of those houses that are like two to four percent mortgages. You know, I, I, Pace and I, who is, a, you know, Pace is a creative finance genius, and I, I, we've been talking like, is the 2 to 4% mortgage going to be a new asset class, right? Is it going to be something that people are going to be trying to collect and hoard and, and hold? Because we're not going to get these types of rates again in a while or ever. Uh, and so um, I don't think, I think that right there is going to be the deciding factor. It's going to hold a lot of inventory off of the market, and I don't think it's going to get put back into the market relatively quickly or at all. Um, and so I think that factor is really important to look at and 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 keep in mind what
1: one of the major things that is impacting the housing market, and I think one why it hasn 't crashed and there is some speculation that it 's going to go up is this inventory question that Henry and Jamil have just touched on Jamil, based on what you said about the two per four four percent mortgage like do you think the inventory levels we're seeing now is sort of like a new normal because we're getting back to a lot of other variables in the market that are normal, but inventory is
3: still nowhere near where it used to be from pre-pandemic levels. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think those houses are locked. And you know what? There's companies now that are out there helping the homeowners who have those homes, turn them into rentals. Because if you're, uh, you know, say you've got a, a professional life, and you're like, I don't want to rent this house. Okay, cool. Got a 2%, two percent, two percent mortgage. We'll help you figure it all out. And now there's an entire new industry. There's an asset class created out of that. It's going to do its own thing. It's going to help rents come down a little bit. It, it, it I, I do believe um, that that little se- that segment of properties is the deciding factor, and things are uh, be going back to normal because of it.
5: Yeah. And technology has so much to do with that, too. There's, there's uses for housing that just didn't exist 10, 15 years ago. Uh, you know, I was looking for a place for our, our corporate retreat and I decided to use peer space, a place where you could just rent a house for eight hours. Normally we'd always go into a, you know, d- dingy hotel room meeting space, you know, now we get to be in a beautiful house, you know, along the beach that might be Jamil's. So, <laughs> um, but, it, you know, and then there's shared housing with Ember and Picasso where you could buy a vacation property and share it with other owners. So all these different uses of technology that allow you to use homes that used to just be homes, right? And then you add on to it the institutions that are getting into our industry and planning to buy a lot more billions of dollars worth of of single family homes. Uh, that's not going to help the inventory issue.
1: All right. Well, that, that is one of the biggest variables, at least in my mind about this, this forecast that you, you're sharing, Henry, is like, this, this is a huge impact on the market. But there is one other major variable, um, that will really depend or sort of dictate what happens with the market in 2023. And Jamil, that's, that's the focus of your, your
3: story. Yeah. It's, Man, I hate this article so much, but I have to. I, I have to bring it to. I have to bring it to light. Realtor.com said mortgage rates just jumped. Will the spring real estate market survive? Mm-hmm. And it's like, like survive. That's the word you use. So you mean it's gonna like die, right? The other, the opposite is, is are things are gonna die. Okay. Well, let's look at the <laughs> and let's look at the data, because the facts are is that rates went up. Um, to what are we what are we looking at here? Like six point three nine up from last week 6.27 which are still lower than where we were at at 6.48 so i mean it's not as bad as it was it's better than then it's it's a little worse than last week but okay so what are we really talking about here let's see how that affected the market so when you're looking at like weekly housing uh, at the housing trends the median listing price is up two and a half percent New listings are down 5%. Days on market are 16 days longer. 16 days longer. What is, t- two weeks? Two weeks. And m- mortgage rates, and then they use the word survive. That's like, the, what I pictured was like, imagine this, okay? If the, uh, you're, you're in a hospital, there's doctors, and the normal heart rate is 72. That was like the 5% mortgage, 72 beats per minute. And now we're at like, you've got a guy sitting on a heart rate monitor, and he's at 88 and all of a sudden, his heart rate goes to 91, and all the doctors are like, hmm, will he survive or will <laughs> he die? Like, guys, get out of here. You know, did these people hire their writers from the National Enquirer? Like, what is happening right now? And, 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 this is what is so troubling to me about articles like this. It's like, journalism, do better. <laughs>
5: Read the data. Read the data. The headlines are absolutely clickbait. It's meant to get your attention.
1: But thank Jamil, the click on it. You clicked on it. And
3: he made me so mad. <laughs> made me so mad.
1: <laughs> and you shared it. And now you're promoting it. Now you're rewarding them for this. <laughs>
3: they did it. They got me.
1: Oh, man. But yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I just think I talk about mortgage rates all the time, but like the reality is that until the fed stops making moves, like it's just going to be volatile. And like, honestly the swings that are point, you know, 10 basis points, 25 basis points, like are going to impact the housing market a little bit. But like the question of whether it's going to survive is like, if it gets back above seven and stays above seven, that like may change housing dynamics, but it's been living in the mid sixes for a while now. And, Spring activity is starting to pick up, and I think we'd have to see a much bigger shift in rates than we've seen in the last few months to really change the momentum of the market in a, in a real way. Yeah, and I feel like the buyers' mindsets
4: or the fear has started, like they, they feel like the, the shoe has dropped. Like it, everyone was kind of like, is it going to keep crashing because they saw this compression real quick and now it's leveled out? I don't think rates swinging a quarter point is going to matter whatsoever. It's the the there's so many more bodies looking at real estate again that it's just and then the and the properties all sell they're getting picked off every time one sells and a buyer goes well that's not going to sell that way you get a little bit of FOMO and you start you know it's it's go it, the 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 whole, overall whole mindset of the market has changed dramatically in the last sixty days.
1: All right, well, great stories. That was a great conversation. So it sounds like everyone sort of agrees that uh, the market is is starting to pick up and. These forecasts, these revised forecasts that everyone seems to be doing. We talked about Zillow today, but all these major forecasters seem to be upwardly revising their housing market forecasts right now. Even if they think there's going to be a decline, it's less of a decline. You know, people, generally speaking, are more more optimistic about the housing market. Obviously, we will keep you very informed about that as the year goes on. Before we get out of here today, we have a user question today from Michael Italia who is talking about something that everyone is talking about right now, which is of course AI and chat GPT. The question is, have any of you started using AI or chat GPT in your business and if so how?
3: I have um, interestingly enough, I uh, just uh, in the early part of the year, invested uh, in a little company. And what it is, is it's a, a software that reaches out to real estate agents and, and has a conversation with them about listings that they have or potential listings that are coming up. And we use ChatGPT GPT to spin the conversation so that they're dynamic and they change all the time. And it responds, to, it responds to real estate agents robotically or through artificial inte- intelligence. Once the property or once a property becomes available or there's a conversation to be had, it kicks it back to the user and then we get on the phone and have the conversation. So lead generation has been completely taken over by AI and this technology and it's smashing. Um, we are getting so many deals from it. Uh, people I'm teaching are getting so many deals from it. It is phenomenal. It, I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Cool. Nice.
5: I, I was kind of mad at chat GPT because I put in, you know, predictions for 2024 and 2025 and they came back, they, they, she, he, whatever it is, came back and said, uh, we don't do predictions. And I was like, this is not helping me. So but, yeah, we actually do use it in some of our blogs and, and writing to, to get it started. Then we want to I, I want the personal touch of, of editing it.
6: Yeah, I use it. We use it in our business. Um, helps us write our descriptions for our properties that we're either going to list on Airbnb or as long-term rentals. Um Let's see. We use it for some email marketing, and so it just it's it's made some smaller tasks easier. I'm not using it anywhere near to the potential that it has, but yeah, some some mundane tasks have become much easier.
4: You guys see how much of a struggle it is for me to get on the podcast. I I, can't, <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have not used. Uh, Chad G- but I know my staff is And they've been exploring it like crazy I just I can't I can't wrap my bra- I'm so old when it comes to that stuff I can't wrap my brain
1: around it James is still learning how to use email I don't, so. I don't buy
6: We literally <laughs> saw you use ChatGPT To look up the answers for the quiz At the beginning of the episode So I don't yeah. probably- But he still
1: didn't get any of it right? <laughs> I'm
6: doing something wrong here
1: <laughs> I have not used it yet But uh, I also wouldn't admit that On this podcast That employs me full time So
4: I
3: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe, maybe I have.
3: <laughs> you know,
4: I guess we are using it. They were telling me um, our social media manager. He was telling me that they they use it to fix your eyes. Yeah. Now, in, or
1: oh yeah, that's and,
6: and, cool.
4: And they also run our audio now through it, and it like fine tunes because I I mumble. So I guess it's working for that way. But that's about as far as we've made it so far.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you all so much for for all of your information and insights today. Let's just do a round and remind everyone where they can find each one of you if they want to follow up and learn more about you. Kathy, why don't you go first?
5: You can find me mostly at realwealth.com, but also on Instagram at Kathy Fedke and I just learned how to green screen. So I, my technology is is. <laughs> I happening. saw that. It was really good. <laughs> so it took me like an hour to figure it out, but hey.
1: <laughs> now you're good forever.
5: Maybe.
6: <laughs> Henry, what about you? Oh, you can find me um, at the Henry Washington on Instagram, or you can check me out at henrywashington.com. And, and is it like, is ChatGPT the new Ash Jeeps? Is that like what they had? Yeah. <laughs> they've,
1: they've spent the last 20 years perfecting Ash Jeeves, and this is what we have now. <laughs> Jamil, where should people find you?
3: I'm at youtube.com slash Jamil Damji, J A M I L D A M J I, or my IG at J D A M J I.
1: All right, and James, if you want to connect with him, please mail him a postcard or call him on a rotary telephone yeah. and he'll wake up.
4: We do have walkie-talkies at the house. <laughs> That's for real. That's because his house is so big, he needs it. <laughs> he gets lost.
1: Oh, no, for real, James, where should people find you?
4: That's where you probably find me is on Instagram at jdaneflips or at jamesdaner.com.
1: All right. And I am at the data deli on Instagram, or you can always find me on bigger pockets as well. If you have any questions or thoughts about this show, reach out to one of us, let us know what you think, or if you have any ideas on how we can improve topics you want to hear. We're all here to uh, listen and respond to all of you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time for on the market. On the market is created by me, Dave Meyer and Kalen Bennett produced by Kalen Bennett Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media, research by Pooja Jindal, and a big thanks to the entire Bigger Pockets team. The content on the show on the market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies.